When everyone is on the same page, getting things done is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that enables your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. We call our food soul food. Cheers. This type of food, you can feel when you eat it. Ah, aroma. The truth is, a lot of American food has its roots in African-American food, traditions, and ingenuity. This is Hot Takes on a Plate, the podcast that explores the things that make us feel and how those feelings collide with food. I'm Rob Patron, and I want to start by saying I'm conducting this interview on the one-year anniversary of George Floyd's murder. We've all had a lot of feelings around that. Out of that horrific incident, there's been an awakening in America, clearly not for everyone, but I think it's fair to say some progress has been made. And today's guests are building on that in a raw, emotional, honest, joyful, and brilliant way. Karis Jagger and Fabian Toback are executive producers of the Netflix series High on the Hog, How African-American Cuisine Transformed America, out now to binge. I've seen it. As a food TV host and producer myself, I am extremely picky about this genre of television, and I'm telling you, this is as good as anything that's ever been done in this sphere. It is exceptional, must-watch television on so many levels. Karis, Fabian, thank you so much for taking the time to join me. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Wow. Thank now, you. What, what, an, a, what an introduction. An incredible introduction. <laughs> no, I, I mean, seriously, it is. Now we're scared to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, look, I have, I have so much, so much I want to get into with you guys because I, I really, this, this was just tremendous, tremendous television, um, High on the Hog. And for those who don't know, the series is based off of Jessica B. Harris's book by the same name. It's a series exploring the vital and often ignored role black Americans have played in shaping our culinary traditions. And the thing that keeps coming up when you hear people in the media talking about this series before the launch is it's about time. Uh, it's long overdue. It's groundbreaking. And for a TV producer like myself, when I hear those terms, what I think about is the fact that any TV series you make is hard to make. It's hard to get anything greenlit, even if it's something that networks are dying to make. But when you are breaking ground, when you are making something that's, quote, long overdue or about time, there's a reason it didn't get made before you basically you have a bigger uphill battle to get that made, to be the first one to make something like that. It's not like nobody else ever had the idea to probably do a show like this. It's that nobody ever got the opportunity. So let's go back to the beginning. Talk about the challenges to making this series. I'm sure you had some challenges. We had a ton of challenges, but, you know, we are tenacious and, uh, you know, Jessica wrote such a beautiful book. We felt um, after we had optioned it, we felt like a huge responsibility in making it. I mean, it's her baby. And like, the, it wasn't, it, it, one of two things were gonna happen. She was gonna say yes to letting us have the option and it was gonna be a huge undertaking or she was gonna say no and we were spared a huge undertaking, so. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't really an option for us. 
Yeah, Karis, I mean, like, you know, the pitch process in TV is is always challenging. You know, very, very few things get made, especially at a level like Netflix. So what was that like to to take this 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 undertaking, this groundbreaking series and, and, and trying to make this and get it greenlit? I think one of the things was that when we read the book, like many other people, we weren't familiar with the history. And Fabi and I are both foodies and we're both spent a long time delving into the history. Like as soon as we read the book, then we were like, now we got to dig in. And so we spent a good probably like six to nine months, um, you know, doing research, finding out more about some of these histories and finding out more about these people. And then after we had done all that, we began to craft the pitch um, and, you know, it was, it was like, it was a labor of love getting all that information into our brains, but we really needed it to go in there and convince people that this was a story that really needed to be told. Um, and I think that if, you know, neither of us had done a lot of pitches before and, and, and it's nerve wracking. And when you're really invested in what you're trying to sell, like on an emotional level, sort of more than just, you're trying to make money out of something. It, it's, it's terrifying. And, and you were desperately trying to get through to people how important, how important uh, this piece is. So I feel like we're very fortunate now that we're getting great feedback because we were so invested ourselves in making sure that, um, you know, a generation got to understand this history and see all these stories unfold. And I, it's, it's, you're right. It's like an uphill struggle there's no doubt about it yeah i mean you know when i think about it most people who make television they're they go into it trying to appease networks they're they're saying okay the network is looking for this so what can we craft that the network's looking for so we can get something greenlit it's very rare you get to make the thing that you wanted to make and make it the way you wanted to make it and and you don't have to compromise that is a very rare thing in television that that's true, but you know, we we also were we were really laser focused on. We really felt like Netflix was the place to, that we wanted it to live. Um, we had an initial meeting there, and uh, with uh, Adam Del Deo, and he um, listened very patiently <laughs> to our very long pitch, um, and then but left enough breadcrumbs in the meeting. Um, to let us know like what was needed to get this going, so to say. And he mentioned Roger Ross Williams, um, who uh, was, we ended up partnering with him. Um, he's won an Academy Award. Um, he's been nominated for another, for a full length documentary. And it was like that special sauce that, you know, kind of coalesced together. Um, and, and then we went back to Netflix and pitched again. And we were like, we brought Roger. <laughs> and it was just kind of like, it was just magic. But, you know, when they said yes, we were just, oh, my God, like over the moon. What was the hardest part about it? Was there, was there, was there a point where you were afraid this wasn't going to get done? Absolutely. I mean, we had options. 
I hear you laughing, Karis. Yeah, because there were like there were like a hundred. Like even even you know when we thought we were so close with Netflix, you just get to that moment where you think like, oh my goodness, like it's now it's gonna fall apart, or you know, you know they've said yes, but now it's like you know little pieces, you know that like then you're like, oh no, it's gonna fall apart, and always at the back of your uh, at the back of your head is like Jessica, like, no, we're not going back to her and telling her that this isn't happening. She's such a force. And, and it's just like, we're like, we took, we took your beautiful, beautiful work and like, we couldn't do it. Like, no, that was, you know, no, wasn't happening. I mean, there was at one point we were, we were kind of like at the end, end of the option. I mean, I think it was like within days we were going to lose all the rights and then they and we were, I was just like crying on the phone with Karis I'm like we can't do we can't that. like sell this and and uh I mean literally it was like down to the wire and then they said yes so it was like you know wow wow so so you yeah. almost lost the option on it mm-hmm. oh my yeah. gosh yeah yeah that that I can only imagine I mean the thing I keep thinking about with this series is there's always a lot of pressure when you're trying to do any creative endeavor, especially one when you're reaching an audience as, as big as Netflix reaches. But this one, especially because it's a story that hasn't really been told. It hasn't been told at this level. I mean, talk about did you feel the pressure of getting this right well, Jessica, like, you know, she wrote such a beautiful book and really provided us with this. I mean, the book is so dense, so we obviously could not put everything um, in the first four episodes uh, that encompasses the whole book. Um, so we were just really, you know, we went page by page. We, 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 we met with a lot of, we, you know, familiarized ourselves super hard with like the people in the food scene, the activists in the food scene. Um, he, you know, finding Steven was, was huge. You know, he's got such gravitas in the food space. That was yeah, really important. Steven Satterfield, well. um, Steven Satterfield, who, who hosted it. And, and I want to talk about him in a moment because he was exceptional. But, you know, when you're talking about the, the content here, and I was talking about the, the pressure of, of getting it right, you know, you're you're talking about subject matter that has often been ignored and, quite frankly, erased from from history, which I I just can't even. I know you have the blueprint of of Jessica B. Harris's book, but you know, it's it's easy to research things that have been written about a thousand times over. You're researching things that haven't that have been ignored and erased from from history. Well, Jessica holds a PhD. She taught for over 30 years at Queens College. You know, she's a journalist, a journalism background. She, you know, hung out with James Baldwin. I mean, you know, um, there's, there's, it, it felt like she was, she's the queen. She's the grand dame. So, you know, we were uh, attracted to that as well. Um, and, you know, I feel like we we got it right. Um, no, you did. I, I, you know, <laughs> I feel like it's also you know part of the thing that's really interesting about High on the Hog is that it's a very personal story for Jessica. It's not one of her just straight 
um, historical pieces. And I think what we really wanted to recreate that in terms of using Stephen as, as the host and getting to see his journey, because it really is, it's, it's a passing of the torch from Jessica to Stephen in a way and getting to getting a personal aspect of it. And I think that's why it's, you know, touched a lot of people is because it's not just history. It's not just showing modern day chefs. We're also giving a personal story. And I think that's what makes it maybe more poignant than, than some of the other stuff that's out there right now. And, you know, Stephen was just perfect, perfect casting. But I'm curious because Stephen is somebody, Stephen Satterfield is somebody, if you are in the food world, you know who he is if you're in the food media world, but he's not by any stretch a household name and when you're trying to make projects like this often the networks want the big names it's just it's just it's it's easier to sell uh, i'm wondering were there any challenges with casting him as as the host of the show uh unbelievably no there was not i mean i the the netflix team is just super they knew about him before you know it just i mean it really kind of was a magical process um yeah i mean i don't i think that you know and especially you know with with roger roger ross williams you know he 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 knows what he's doing so you know he was he really helped support this process and this project with you know so they kind of you know he's had done a project there already. Um, I think it, it just kind of ended up being a real, um, uh, you know, I, I hate to say this, but like, it was just kind of a, a destined- <laughs> The stars were alive. Oh, totally. No, I, I mean, that's so much a, of, of television, isn't it? And, and success yeah. in general is just sometimes timing. And so much of the show is about timing. And I want to get to that. But before I do, Stephen, I want to stay on Stephen for a second because I think you have a what he's going to be a massive star. I, I, I mean, I don't say that lightly. I think the thing that really struck me with, with Stephen as the host of the show is that, you know, hosts are kind of often taught to be these bigger than life people who who kind of steal the spotlight, who, who say, look at me. And he was so good at sharing the spotlight and really putting the spotlight on the subjects. But yet, even in his sort of quiet way of going about things, you can't help but fixate on him. He has a, a sort of a, a gravitas, a sort of, just, just sort of like that unteachable sort of je ne sais quoi, you know, that that the camera just loves him. You know, Karis, I, I just, I, I mean, you could, you know, obviously he had the credentials to do it if you look at his resume, but then you don't really know what you're getting until you see the person on camera doing it for the first time. I mean... Talk about the, the performance he has in this series. Well, I just want to say Fabian and I met him at a coffee shop one time and just people would walk by and they just would keep smiling at him. And there's a quality that you're just like, see, like it, it was before he really understood that we wanted him to be the host of the show. He was a little confused and thought we just wanted his feedback on you know, the story and how to 
thing. And we're like, no, 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 no. Like, we want you to be the host. Like, <laughs> he, never, he never hosted a TV show before, correct? He had he had actually done some work that uh, he had a sort a sommelier type show, a wine show okay. that he had that he had pitched with himself as the 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 host. And so he he, he you know primarily all his stuff has been behind camera and publishing and yes. but he's so connected in the food world and I think one of the things that was a really appealed to us is one his incredible reverence for Jessica Harris's work and also his connection with so many people in the food space which I think enabled him to have really deep com deeper conversations with with the people who were on the show than maybe someone who wasn't in the food space, in this food space, you know, like his whole thing is empathy and whetstone is about, you know, food and connectivity. And those are all themes that we wanted to play out in the series. And his gentleness brought a, just a different tone to the show that I don't think we've seen before you know, I, especially like generally like with a male host or a lot of kind of alpha loud qualities. And he has such a beautiful quietness and thoughtfulness and he makes people speak, you know, like people feel comfortable in his presence. And he also has a twinkle in his eye and a wry smile. You know, there's like a couple moments I think he was with the uh, in the cowboy in the rodeo thing where he was like joshing the older the older Bruno father about you know teasing him about did he know how to saute which was just like you know a beautiful interaction he, he like he just brought so many great things to the table and I know he was pretty green when he went in but it I think part of that was you know beautiful and we watched him kind of blossom as a becoming more confident in his conversations yes. you know he says yeah. a lot he can say a lot without saying anything you know he, he he just sometimes the camera will be on him on a cutaway and he's not saying anything yet he's saying everything yeah yeah and, and there were some was there were some good thing. outtakes of him getting on the horse that i wish we could have <laughs> included <laughs> um you know one of the things uh that shush, Part of it is that a lot of the people that worked on the show hadn't done food TV. So Shoshana Guy, who is the showrunner, she comes from a hard news background. So there's there's in some and Stephen had never hosted. So I think the amount like the the combination of all these uh, different backgrounds kind of allowed it to kind of be what it is and not what people think it's going to be if that makes any sense now look um, I, I say all the time everybody eats so you don't necessarily have to be a quote food person to do food you know because it, it's it's something that everybody can relate to but you know the series yeah it's a it's a food show but it's also a history show it's a fascinating history but you talked about that empathy that that Stephen brings to it and to me like the most memorable scene of the entire series was at the end of episode one when Stephen and he's with Jessica B. Harris, who makes an appearance in the first episode, the author of the book High on the Hog, and they visit the door of no return. It's 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 a slave trade memorial in Benin. And honestly, it was one of the most palpable and raw and honest and powerful moments I've ever seen on a TV show. Uh, were you on location for that that particular scene? 
Uh, yeah, yes, we were. And if you listen probably really closely, you can hear the entire crew crying in the background. I mean, well. I, I don't, you know, I don't, I, I don't want to, I don't want to give away like too much for people who are watching, but it is a very, yeah. very raw and emotional scene. And yeah. it's, it's just, it's, it's nothing I have ever seen before in a show like that. That is true it was very intense it was very intense what was that like for um, you there uh very intense i mean um i had lost my father like actually the day before we pitched to netflix um and uh i brought like a little card you know and it was it was very intense i i i, I can't I can't describe it without reliving it right now. So <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's a, it was very emotional, um, but I think because primarily the primarily, you know, the, the entire crew, well, n you know, 95% of the crew were people of color. So it felt like a safe space to also kind of unload those emotions um and um it was it was an honor to to be there it really was it was it was a real honor and i uh, i'll carry that forever that that moment karis what was that like for you i think you know it was jessica's so beautiful and she really is a teacher and i felt like in that moment she was she was really like teaching us all you know it was it was you know about giving the offering and lighting the candles and it was very it was very just really heartfelt and i think we all really felt it was pouring with rain like you know between takes and stuff like that and it just was really it was a really raw moment i think for all of us and I think especially for Steven and I, I think the hope really was is that we showed that raw moment, but also with respect, you know, I think, I think the show has a lot of balance to it and it, 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 you know, it's like about exposing yourself, but also standing back enough to, to like respect him and what he was going through. And um, yeah, it was hard. It was really hard. And he was so selfless. I felt like, especially in that episode with Jessica, you could feel sort of how, how, how he revered her, and you know, like, like she, not just shared the spotlight, but really allowed her to at times kind of take it over because he really he recognized who he was with, and in that moment, it was almost like she became the host and he became the subject, and it was such a special, special moment. I mean, you really do have to watch it if if you're listening. And, you know, we were talking before about the stars aligning, you know, you, when you started this production on the series, when you started pitching this series, even if you go way back, you, you couldn't have predicted the way the world would unfold, the, the events we'd go through from, you know, we touched it, uh, on it at the beginning. We're talking here on the one year anniversary of George Floyd's murder and and also COVID, obviously, and the impact COVID has had and just kind of 
how the world has changed in so many ways. And, you know, the timing of this show coming out between sort of the awakening a lot of people have had around race issues, between the fact that, you know, I'm watching the show, there's a lot of sort of celebratory meals in the show that were shot before COVID. And I'm watching these group meals and going, I miss that. You know, I haven't had meals like that where people are sitting around jovial and having meals. And, you know, that's that's something that like you could not have predicted that feeling. And also just the fact that like, you know, that emotion we've been talking about, if a show like this was made 10, 15 years ago, I don't think we were as evolved as a society when it comes to sharing our emotions that way. I think we are all now, especially in the wake of COVID, kind of feeling like it's okay to share our vulnerabilities because we've all been through a lot. I mean, the timing of this show, it's just kind of crazy how the stars have aligned, is it not? Absolutely. I mean, and you know, we started this process. Um, Karis and I have been, we're, we're fr longtime friends and we've been working together for about a decade now. Um, we had done uh, lifestyle content and then with the murder of Michael Brown, we, we and the kids getting bigger, we were looking for a project we could really sink our teeth into. So, you know, things have evolved, but I mean, things also have not evolved that much because we started this process, you know, of looking for property and, and, um, and kind of telling this sort of, so, not this story, but a story like this. Um, I feel like, yeah, it's, it's really, it's really special. It's, and, and could we have predicted this? No, but you know, we've been just really um, good stewards of, of the material and open to the part, you know, our partnerships have meant everything. Um, and we just could not be more delighted with, you know, the timing. I mean, the, the joggernaut of Netflix of releasing it at this time is just, it's just perfect. And I think it's something that people need right now in terms of like, there's history, but it's also, like you said, a celebration and coming together. I mean, we could not have predicted with, you know, we there's very few brick and mortar restaurants in the series, which I think worked, you know, because then we're, it's, there's an intimacy of those celebrations. They're at home. These are things that we can come back, recreate into our lives in the coming months. And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of the restaurants that, well, if we had them would be closed. So it's nice. I think, you know, the Gullah, the Gullah um, Bill Green's restaurant is, will still be there. So it's, you know, and it's a small place. Yeah, and, and, and Karis, uh, you know, it, it's. I want to point out that the show obviously it's, it has a very serious nature to it, and it, it has a lot of history packed into it. But what I thought was so beautiful, and the and the way you guys were able to weave this together, is that even for as serious as the subject matter was, you know, there was there was a celebratory feel about a lot of it. You know, there was resilience and culture and. You know, you were able to strike that tone of, of, yes, this is very serious, so much of this, but also there's so much that needs to be celebrated. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we, we I think 
you delve into the past so we know where we come from, but you know, it's, it's about joy and community and, um, Fabi and I are big on laughter and, you know, and, and if you don't have all those pieces, it, it, we're not showing, we're not giving, that's really what Jessica's book was about. It's about, you know, joy and, showing the talent of people, showing African-Americans like, you know, the role they played in agriculture and cuisine and as tastemakers and, um, you know, entrepreneurship and tradition and self-reliance. Like there's so many powerful, like Fabian, like we like to talk about in our pitch about empowerment cinema. And, and we feel like that this hopefully has has a place in that because you want to come out of it with like a whoop. You know, I feel like the end of, of uh, episode four, when we see the incredible marching band is like, you know, the, the point is to come out of there and be, you know, cheering, not, not you know, uh, sitting, sitting down. You know, it's like it has to balance that joy. Yeah, because I, you know, it's just funny, like, you can't always predict how you're going to feel coming out of watching something, right? Like, you you just, you know, I, I would have thought going into it, you know, I, I, I didn't come out of it feeling the way I thought I would have going into it, if that makes sense. Like, like you do, you, you come out of it with a smile on your face, because it is so uplifting. Although I am curious, you know, because you're dealing with a lot of subject matter that I think people a lot of people are just, you even said you weren't aware of going into all of this because it's stuff that we were not taught growing up. It was erased. It was ignored for a lot of terrible reasons. But I'm sure some people are going to watch this and be like, wait a second, you know, this isn't what I know. Do, do you think about potential resistance to a project like this? Uh, you know, we can't control how people are going to feel about it. We can only take care of, you know, how we feel and what we wanted to. You know, we tried to uh, make an accurate uh, telling, you know, the stories of Thomas Downing. It's undisputable. The role that James Hemings had is undisputable. You know, there's, um, you know, we're not saying... Um, that this is the only history, this is a history. And I think that that distinction is really important to remember um, because there are men, you know, many different people that made this country what it is. Um, we're looking at it from this lens and we're not saying it's the only lens. So, um, you know, I'm sure there's something to, for everyone to take away and there's always going to be a detractor, but that's not, that's not our problem really, you know? Karis, I'm wondering, and then I want to hear from you too as well, Fabian, on this one. Mm -hmm. What is, what is your biggest takeaway from this experience? Now that you've been through it, you, you've, you've shot it, you've produced it. It is now out there in the world you know, you, you learn something from every endeavor like this, and I can only imagine what it what it must have been like to go through a groundbreaking endeavor like this. What was the biggest takeaway? I mean, the biggest takeaway I think for 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 me was just that you find a project that you love, and you can you know you stick with it, and 
you just keep banging on doors and and find like you we're just so fortunate that this one opened but honestly like freaking tenacity man like you know like it, you put your heart and soul into something and keep keep at it i mean what it, it's like such a great lesson for us to give to our kids is just like keep on keeping on and you know your dreams can come true <laughs> yeah um my my biggest takeaway is I think it's enabled me to have a little bit more um, empathy, you know, for, you know, what, and mindfulness about, you know, that there's so many different stories. Every, every, every culture um, has their story and their participation. And, I don't know. It's it's caused me to have a different lens. I mean, just taking another bite of mac and cheese is, you know, like where did it come from? What what the contribution that 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 blacks have had on our food and our culture? Um, we know about it in music. We know about it in art, and now we now we get to know about it in food and going beyond the southern you know, just Southern food is not just, you know, it's not, it's not black food, you know, it's like we have our, we've touched in the food area in all different places. So I think there's, um, that, that is my biggest takeaway as well as being incredibly tenacious. <laughs> no, I mean, like I said at the beginning, you know, when you hear a word like groundbreaking attached to a series to me to break ground it's it's it you have to push an even bigger boulder up a hill than making anything else in an industry where you're already pushing boulders anyway so i mean kudos to both of you for getting this off the ground and casting it perfectly and working with the right people and uh, it is just a beautiful beautiful piece of art uh i i mean I, I i could not recommend it anymore it just if you are a history buff if you are a quote-unquote foodie, if you are somebody who just appreciates beautifully told stories, check out High on the Hog on Netflix. Uh, I, I see trophies in your future, beautiful, shiny trophies in your future, hopefully. Uh, I, I, I think this is the start of, of big, big, big things for you guys and for Steven and everybody else attached to the project. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you, Rob. Oh, my, so fun. Thank you, Rob. The outro was just as spectacular as the intro. So thank you so much. <laughs> I try. I try. And listen, if you are listening to Hot Takes on a Plate for the first time, make sure to subscribe. That way you never miss an episode. Part three of our documentary series, 86, How a Global Pandemic Rocked the World's Culinary Capital, will be out in two weeks. You don't want to miss that. Also, make sure to rate the show, five stars, of course, and comment as well. That's how we grow our audience. You can follow me on social media at Rob Patron TV on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Hot Takes on a Plate is part of the Believe Podcast Network. Check them out at BLEAV.com. Until next time, I'm Rob Patron. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.